but seeing that this is kind of a, in many ways already a very missional church. You know, this is a place where people feel called to share about Christ, uh, to let his name be known, uh, not only here in this community, uh, but around this world. And that's something that's rare. I mean, it may seem kind of normal if this is the church you've been going to. That's not normal. All right. It, it really isn't all that normal. And so one of the things that um, our organization does is we like to host mission trips. You know, um, we have an internship program that runs overseas. We like to bring in people from overseas. A lot of time we find out that they're not really doing all that much missional. So it's fun to come and be a part of a church here that is already kind of thinking and gearing themselves that way towards, you know, reaching the lost. How many of you guys were just on the recent mission trip? Are you guys here? The, some of them sleeping at home. Okay, awesome. You're welcome back. That's awesome. So to tell you a little bit about Within Reach Global, Within Reach has been serving in Southeast Asia for nearly 20 years now. It primarily is working in China. Right, a lot of the work that they've been doing is uh, in southern China and working among the unreached and unengaged people groups. Unreached just means less than 2% of the population is Christian. Unengaged means that it's zero and there's no effort yet established to even attempt to reach those groups yet. So there's unengaged and unreached people groups all across um, the world. But in China, where we're working, uh, largely, there are tons and tons and tons of them. So over the years, we've been able to lead people to Christ. Those people have gone through training programs and Bible schools and um, become ordained themselves and have now begun to plant churches. So we have seven centers across um, Southeast Asia, and those are all Chinese local missionaries that are reaching out to their own villages, to their own people. And they are literally going out village to village, and some of them even cross-culturally. Some of them have even learned other languages to be able to go out into villages and to be able to share their faith with people. And these people that are going out, these are the poorest of the poor, right? They're the poorest of the poor. About 13 years ago, my wife and I, we decided, you know, our hearts were being more and more tugged towards the unreached and working with people who have never heard of Jesus. We were already working in a missions organization at that time. But it was becoming more and more evident we wanted to be overseas. So we decided, let's do it. Let's sell everything. So we sold everything. We sold all of our possessions. We even had two little dogs. We sold our dogs. People are like, you sold your dogs? I'm like, yeah, I was fundraising. <laughs> you know, I had, to, I had a plane ticket to buy. I get, of course I sold them. You know, we gave stuff away. We sold things. And we went overseas. And we decided we traveled across the 1040 window. How many of you guys here have heard of the 1040 window? Good, that's a lot of hands um, going up here. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the 1040 window. Roughly 65% of the unreached population lives here in the 1040 window. This is where Within Reach Global works, okay? Roughly 65% of all the world's unreached people live there. Eight out of every 10 of the very poorest people on earth live within the 1040 window. On average, they make less than 100 dollars a year. Can you imagine living off $100 a year? I mean, even, even if you wanted to support a within-reach global missionary, to support their entire family is only $350 a month. That's all it takes to completely support one of these missionaries. I mean, they're literally, literally living, they're banana farmers living in mud huts, and then they're just going to the next mud hut and talking to people about Christ. The 1041 Window is home to all five major world religions. 
Can anyone name those five? You can participate. What are the five major world religions? Christianity, good, good. Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, and Judaism. Yes, good. But check this out. Only 3% of the entire world's mission force works in the 1040 window. Only 3%. 97% are working in other nations, other reached nations, among reached people groups already. Only 1.01% of American missions finances are sent to the 1040 window. So a lot of these finances aren't even making it to those areas. But first, let's talk missions. We as believers are sent on mission by God to share the good news of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. If you go to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We've all heard this. This is all very simple, right? But why? Why are we going? Why are we doing this? This is where the disconnect is happening among our church as a whole here within the United States. Is there a connection about, but why? Why are we doing that? We are doing it so that they would be saved. That's the reason that we're going, so that they would be saved. But what exactly does that mean? Imagine with me. Imagine with me you are in Africa. Okay? I lived in Africa for almost eight years. Imagine you're in Africa, or imagine you're in China, and there's a man that's 35 years old dying of AIDS. And that man finally dies, never ever hearing of Jesus. He's never heard of the name of Jesus before. He dies never hearing the name of Jesus. What happens to that man? Does he go to heaven, or does he go to hell? How many of you here would say he goes to heaven? Show of hands. How many goes to hell? How many of you are like, I really don't know. I feel like you're trying to trick me. <laughs> okay. You know what? Most people have their hand in that last category of just, I don't know. Well, let's look. Let's look at what Scripture says. If you go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, this is a portion of my Bible that it literally just falls open to quite regularly. <laughs> it's very dirty from holding it open in, in, out in villages and places and talking to people about this particular verse. Romans 10, verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You know, it's with our hearts that we believe, right? And it's with our hearts that we are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess Profess your faith and you're saved. So when you believe in your heart, you believe in your heart, you become right with God. You become right with God as you are believing in your heart. But salvation comes when you confess that, when you say that out loud, when you confess that. Acts 4.12 says, salvation exists in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So when your friends ask you, and you're talking to them, they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying the only way to be saved is through Jesus? 
Your answer to them is yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. In fact, you can just take them to that verse and show them that verse. Acts 4.12. 1 John 4.15 says, Whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God shall be saved. John 8.24. Now this one's important because there's a lot of people that will go, well, wait. Jesus never said he was God. Mormons say this. Right? If you ever get those guys knocking on your door. I lived in Arizona. I had them knocking on my door. <laughs> um, here's Jesus. He says, you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. There's a lot packed in that one. But we're all going to die unless we believe that Jesus is who he says he is when he proclaimed to be God. And the proof that there he's talking about being God comes just a little bit later in John chapter 10, verse 30 through 33, when the Pharisees literally go and say, we don't kill you because of the works that you're doing. It's because you have committed blasphemy and you claim to be God. That's the whole reason he went to the cross. That was the whole reason that he was being put to death. So you know what? We have our answer. There's only one name that we have to be saved. It's the name of Jesus. That's the disconnect that we're having here in the church. Is that if we don't realize that the people that are around us, if they don't know Jesus, when that day comes, they will perish. They will die. They will be separated from God forever. That puts an urgency in us for this gospel and for understanding why we do what we do. This should make us automatically go, well, then who doesn't know, right? Who doesn't know? And we can see we don't have to look very far, right? We don't have to look very far at all. You can literally just leave these doors, and you'll start finding people left and right who do not know Jesus. They do not know Jesus. You know, we're not trying to get people to know Jesus. Well, excuse me, to know about Jesus. We want people to encounter Jesus, right? Connect with Jesus, just like the name of the church. We want people to encounter Christ. I've worked in a lot. I've led Muslims to the Lord. Hindus to the Lord, Buddhists to the Lord, Sangomas, which is like a witch doctor to the Lord, people to the Lord, all over the place. And you do not have to be an expert in those religions. You know what you need to be an expert in? Jesus. Be an expert in Jesus. Every day, get up and spend time with Jesus. Every day, get up and spend time praying. How many of you guys have had a quiet time spending time with Jesus this week? How many of you, this is something you do every day. Man, this has got to be every day. You've got to spend time with Jesus. I know you can start to read this book. I, I got saved around 1990, and I have been having, I've been spending time with Jesus every single day. It would, I have read through this book many, many, many times. It would be very easy to look at this book and go, it's just a rerun. You know, it's like a movie I've already seen. And just go, well, I kind of know that. So I just go on living as a Christian. I still have good values but I don't pick this up anymore. 
and I pray over my meals. I pray when there's a family emergency. But I'm not just connecting with Jesus just for the sake of connecting with Jesus. But our whole Christian walk is just about that, just connecting with Jesus. We've got to, we've got to get in this word, and we've got to get in prayer every single day. Amen? All right. Listen, I've stood in front of people who have never, ever heard of Jesus many times. And I've talked to them, and it's funny. You can get into these conversations, and you'll ask them, so do you know Jesus? You know Isa. You know Isa al Messiah. I can go through a whole bunch of different Yesu. And you get into these names, and they go, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. Who is that? I haven't met them yet. Thinking like it's someone down the street that I was going to introduce them to. The founder of our organization even tells a story in China of a guy he met um, not too long ago. He went up to him and asked him, hey, so have you heard of Jesus? And he, go, and he goes, no, is that a brand of soap? Like he literally had no idea. And this is all in Chinese. There are literally people out there that have no idea. I stood with a man um, in Nepal. He actually got angry. Because me and my friend were sharing with this guy. And he got mad with us. We'd gone through the entire gospel. And he goes, so wait a second. You're saying that if I die without knowing Christ, without knowing Jesus, I'm separated from God for eternity. I'm like, yes. He goes, then I can't accept your gospel. And we were confused. We're like, well, why? What do you mean? He goes, because my wife died two years ago. And she, didn't, she was Hindu. She did not know Jesus. And you're saying where she's at today is hell. Is that right? And I was like, yes. And she goes, yeah, I, I don't want to be separated from her. And we're trying to help him. And then the, the, the hardest questions I probably have ever heard came next. Where he goes, where were you last year? Where were you two years ago? I was thinking, I was like, oh. He goes, well, was your father a Christian? I'm like, well, no. He looks at my friend, was yours? Where were they? Where were they? You know, you go to a church, there's other Christians there, there. Where were they? Why didn't they come? And I'm like, I don't even know how to answer this question. Like, I'm literally stumped talking to this guy. And we walked away. That guy did not give his life to the Lord right then. I believe, I just keep believing that he did later. But we've got to ask ourselves, there's people all around the world that are dying that don't know Jesus. But this seems unfair, right? It does seem unfair. Like we look at this and we can even go from, uh, from an outside perspective on Christianity, we can look at this and go, but that's not fair. You say your God's good, right? You say your God's good. How can he allow this to happen? Well, wait a second. Let's talk about that unfairness. Whose unfairness does that lie on? Whose shoulders takes the burden of that unfairness? Is it God's or is it ours? I believe it's ours. So going back to our Romans chapter 10 scripture, we have it outlined how we are supposed to be saved, right? We confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, Jesus raised from the dead, we shall be saved. If you keep going down to verse 13, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's Paul addressing the very issue of unfairness. Of people going, well, wait a second, that's not, un that's not fair. You can almost hear it being asked right then. And Paul's addressing it. Saying, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him 
whom they have not believed, right? We've learned that they have to call on the name of Jesus. Well, how are they going to call on the name of Jesus if they have not believed? And how, how, how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It literally lays out our responsibility in the Great Commission as the church to go, to go to people, to talk to people about Jesus. In 2006, we did, um, a, sorry, and yeah, in 2006, my wife and I, we did a trip around the world, as I was sharing with you, went to 31 countries in 10 months. So we started through um, the Middle East, kind of went through North Africa, back through the Middle East again, and ended up um, over in Asia. While in Asia, we ended up serving with the very organization that we're with now, called Within Reach Global. While we were there, we took a little trip with them down to the Vietnam border, still within inside of China, out in some villages where they grow bananas. And we were going from village to village, talking to people about Jesus. There was a lot of kids around. We had animal or uh, balloon animals we were making for kids and passing them out and giving out stickers and talking to people, anyone who would listen about Jesus. Well, we're getting ready to leave one of these villages and go to the next village. And my wife, as we get in the car, there's this man sitting right there, like right next to the vehicle, um, sitting on this chair. And she goes, listen, we can't go. We, we can't go. I mean, we're all like, there are so many people. Every time we go to a village, everyone here has never heard of Jesus. And we only have so much time we're going to spend. How are we to choose who we're supposed to talk to? You know? But she really felt burdened. Let's talk to this man. So we're, we're like, all right, let's do it. So we get back out. We go over to him. We go through the whole gospel with him. And he ends up giving his life to Christ. And the cool thing about this is we prayed for him. We talked with him. We encouraged him. We were only there with him about 45 minutes. And then we left. Um, a few months later, one of our local Chinese missionaries goes back to follow up with that guy. And he starts encouraging him as well. Gives him a Bible. Starts sharing with him more. A little bit later on, he's baptized. A little bit later on, he starts to go through a Bible training. A little bit later beyond that, he becomes ordained. A little bit, a little bit further beyond that, he starts to go through our missions training program. A little bit later beyond that, now, he, fast forward all the way till now, he's one of our head guys in that whole region. And he works out in the middle of a banana field. In the middle of China. And he is now leading others to the Lord. He literally just walks through the middle of these, um, through the middle of these dense banana plantations out there, and he just shares with anybody who he comes along the road, along the road too. Thank you. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. We all know this one, I would hope. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, the term missionary is not in the Bible. Have you guys known this? Right? <laughs> the, the term missionary is not in the Bible. There's only followers or non-followers, believers, non-believers, disciples, non-disciples, these kind of terms. We cannot claim that we are followers of Christ and continue to deny the command of Christ to go to every nation. Think of this. Think of these disciples. What were they being trained to do? They were being trained to share this message, to expand this kingdom, 
to expand the church here on earth. Name a disciple that was not involved in the Great Commission. And for that matter, name anyone who said they were a disciple anywhere in the New Testament that was not involved in the Great Commission in some capacity. You will not find one. You will not find one. They all had different roles. Not every one of them got in a boat and sailed across the Aegean Sea and proclaimed Christ. But they all served in roles. They were all part of it. They were involved in either going. They were involved in sending. They were involved in mobilizing or equipping. They are involved in intercession. They are also involved in welcoming, welcoming people in. Like America is the best place to welcome people, right? You've got people coming from all over the world here to the United States. No longer do you even really need a passport to be able to reach people that are coming from unreached nations. They're happening here all the time. The king of the country that I lived in, that I live in now, Thailand, went to school here in the United States. The doctor I met with in Thailand just before coming on over came to the United States. It's happening all the time. They're here, and they come. They come for education. They come to resettle. They're here all the time. Their people are all around us. And these guys are coming from unreached nations. I've seen some uh, pretty interesting opportunities where we were taking one mission trip, and we ended up going through Europe, and we're heading down to Africa. While we were in the Middle East, and we've done mission trips all through the Middle East, uh, we were in Doha, Qatar, and we're in the airport, and there was someone coming through uh, the airport, and they were from, coming from Libya, and then they were connecting over to Saudi Arabia. And while they were there, we're in the airport, and my friends uh, look over, and they're like, hey, I think those guys are Libyans. And they're like, can we go talk to them? I'm like, go for it, man. <laughs> you know, you... It's not going to be real easy for you to go to Libya. It's not going to be real easy for you to go to Saudi Arabia. You can go to those places. But here you are. They're in an airport. Who cares what is being said in an airport? Go on over there. And so they went over there and talked to these guys about Jesus. And that's happening here. Missions is not an action on the field, but it's a condition of the heart. You know, going on a mission trip is not a bucket list item. It's not a bucket list item. It's literally a condition of our heart. It's not something we just go, check off, I've done that. But it's something that is just who we are. It's the DNA of us as a Christian. Missions is responding to the heart of God for the redemption of his people. That's it. We're just responding to God's heart when we're encountering other people around us that don't know him. Going sometimes is just as simple as going up to them. Going across the street, just taking the opportunities that you already have and engaging with people in conversation and begin talking with them. St. Francis of Assisi is famous for saying, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. You know, it's a beautiful acknowledgement to our compassion to the poor, but it's completely unbiblical. It's absolutely completely unbiblical. You know, the gospel is a message. We do not win people to Christ with our actions. We win them with a message. Our actions only confirm or deny our message. All right? 
the actions that we do, the compassion that we have for people when we help people build a well or feed them or clothe them or any of the numerous things that you can do, educate them, all of that is just confirming or denying the very message that we give them. It's not the main thing that we go for. It's not the main reason that we're there. The main reason we're there is to share our faith. Now, the task at hand is huge, right? There's 7.5 billion people on earth today. 3.2 billion of these people have never heard the gospel before. That's roughly 42%. 42% of the people on earth have never, ever heard of Jesus. Now, I want to I demonstrate this in an example. I need three volunteers. Who's bold? One, two, three. Come on up. All right. Come right here. One, two, three. Kind of spread out. One there, one here, one right over there. Leave room around you. Sorry. Oh, we've got four. Man, it's all right. We'll let it slide. So these three locate statistically, represent statistically the population of the world, okay? This is world A. Here in world A, she represents, okay, there is a Bible there in their language. There's missionaries there. There's a church there. And because of these things, she believes. So a third of the world's population, these are pretty rough numbers, but about a third of the world is Christian. They have Bibles, they have access to a church, they have access uh, to missionaries, okay? World B here is roughly about a third of the world's population as well. They have access to Bibles, access to a church, access to missionaries, but they do not believe, right? So this is an unchurched area. They've heard, but they're unchurched, okay? Here's world C. And in world C, they have no church, they have no Bible, they have no missionary, Thus, they don't have access. They don't even have the option. I love when I meet, like, secular people, and they're like, but why do you go do what you do? And I'm like, well, you know, like, you're a Christian, right? Knowing that they're kind of not just by this, their question. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, well, but you've made that decision. And he goes, yes. And I'm like, well, but these guys haven't had that choice yet. And they go, oh, yeah. I was like, well, you believe in having the right well, choice, right? And they're like, yes, absolutely, you know. And I'm like, okay, that same thing. This guy just has not had that choice yet. So I'm going to give him that choice. And they're like, well, but why don't you talk to him about Buddhism? Why don't you talk to him about Hinduism? Why don't you talk to him about Islam? I'm like, because I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a Hindu. I'm not a Muslim. I'm like, I'm a Christian. I'll represent <laughs> Christianity. If those others are going to come talk to them, they can do that, all right? Now, what's interesting and for the sake of time, I can't quite go through the whole analogy. But if we had 10 people, all right, 10 people decide to stand up and go. And they are going to go towards the mission field. This is where they end up going. We end up sending over here the first nine. The first nine end up going to world A. And then... The 10th one ends up here, world B. Now, we have to go through that cycle seven more times before the first person hits here. 
Put in perspective, we don't have enough people in the church. That would literally be all of you standing up here. We would have a huge group of people around here trying to reach her. Does she need to be reached? She's already reached. <laughs> all right? Right here, we would have roughly seven people standing here and one here. Does it seem a little out of balance? Totally seems out of balance. It seems unfair. It, it, what it shows is that the church is not understanding why we go on missions. Why does someone need to be saved? Because if we understand why someone needs to be saved, we just clearly go, we know why we're going. What it looks like is a whole bunch of people do not realize why they are going. They've signed up and they have gone, not knowing why they are going. And a lot of times it's the fault of some missions organizations. You know, and man, we, we work overseas alone a lot. And a lot of times people are recruited on the basis of excitement and adventure and going and seeing fun places and everything. I mean, for me, like even when we send out our brochures and put on our websites, if we just show people and missions and work, we recruit a certain amount of people. If I add them, you know, standing underneath a waterfall with an elephant going, woo, suddenly the numbers come up. And I'm good with that, actually, because I'm like, if I can just get them here, you know, I can inject them with my own DNA, <laughs> you know, and by the time they go home, they're wrecked for missions. And when they come back a second time, they're like, ah, we don't want to see the elephants. We just want to, you know, meet the people. Well, I'll still take you and see the elephants. So. All right, you guys, go, go sit down. Thank you. Amazing job standing. But this World C, man, they have no choice. And the problem is we don't have the resources. It's not. We have the resources. Did you know there are over 900 churches to every one unreached people group? 900 churches. There are 78,000 evangelical Christians for every one people group. 78,000. So 0.37% of all missionaries end up among the unreached. That's only one-third of 1%. One-third of 1% is ended up over among the unreached. The issue is that we're going to the wrong place. I mean, if you break it down even further, one missionary has to reach 216,300 unreached people. That means for the job that I have at hand, for my life, living in Asia, reaching people, I have to reach a quarter of a million people before I die. The average Christian in America will never leave a, lead a single person to Christ. The average. Our numbers are off, man. And we need help. We really need help. We need people who, are, who are, can think and just go, you know what? I want to be a part of the solution. Statistically, you have a better chance of being in a plane wreck than working among the unreached. You know, it isn't a money issue either. The church makes $42 trillion as a whole. 0.001% goes to missions. That is for every $100,000 $1 will make it to the unreached. For every $100,000 given, $1 makes it to the unreached. 
On average, in a church, when you put in a dollar in the offering plate for missions, one cent of that is making it to the unreached. The same breakdown. Just one cent. So the money is there. The people are there. We've just got to get the two together. Even the resources are there. We even know where the people groups are at. That's the crazy thing. We know where all these unreached people groups are. We, <laughs> I can't even tell you. I mean, we, we know exactly the numbers of what's happening in, in these villages. Halloween is coming soon. More money will be spent on outfits for our pets at Halloween than on missions. I think we've got some, we're, we are off, aren't we? You know, it simply comes down to what, to not what our calling is, but to who our calling is. We know we're called a mission, but, but to who? But to who? It is impossible to separate ourselves from involvement in the Great Commission and still call ourselves Christians. We can't. We can't separate those two things. You can't say, oh, I'm not involved in the Great Commission at all. Yes, I'm a Christian. What? Explain that one to me. Show me examples of that from Scripture. That just doesn't, that's not a thing. I mean, we're either involved or we're not involved. We just got to figure out how are you going to be involved? What is your capacity? Is this a prayer that you've had? Have you prayed, Lord, what, how am I supposed to be involved in expanding your kingdom? When the Lord taught us to pray, man, he started off, you know, with thy will be done, thy kingdom come, right? Thy kingdom come. We want his kingdom coming. Literally, you're supposed to be asking God, how is your kingdom supposed to come? How is it supposed to be here? How am, I, how am I going to be involved? How am I to share with other people? I submit to you that as a Christian, if your job or your career or your aspirations is not fulfilling the Great Commission, it may not be from God. That's a hard one to swallow. That's a hard one to say. And I know about swallowing that. I've, I've sat in those shoes as someone who even works in the church, as someone who's been on staff at a church, someone who's been on staff within a missions organization and thought, what on earth am I doing? Like, seriously, what am I doing to expand the kingdom of God? What am I doing that's making a difference? And I had to figure out, I was like, okay, I could be a goer. I could be a sender. I could help mobilize, you know, teach and train people how to go do these things. I can be an intercessor. I can welcome people. But oftentimes, we're more than just one of these. I'm a goer. Do you know I'm also a sender? I financially support other people sometimes. I mobilize a lot of people. I intercede. And I kind of do some welcoming. That's not a big one for me. But you can be involved in all of them. You can be involved in all these areas. Jesus is calling you to be involved in his mission. You may think that you may have nothing to offer. Maybe you're from a small town or, I don't know, you don't have the right education or background or resources. But I want you to remember today, right now, there's a man that stands in China in a banana field 
who has literally no resources. I can't even begin to explain to you, I know this man, just how poor he is. And he still goes out and he shares his faith every day. And he's believing for God to move. He has virtually no education. He is absolutely, we had him take um, some strength finders tests and Meyer-Briggs tests. These things are all available in Chinese. We had him take these tests. He, he, he scored all the way on introvert. All the way. I mean, he sits in meetings never saying a word all the time. Yet he still leads people to Jesus. He realized, you know what? As a Christian, as a representative of Christ, I can't be an introvert. I have to get over that fear, and I have to go and I have to talk to somebody. And the more he does it, the bolder he becomes, the more the Holy Spirit is, is using him. And I'm telling you, if you will step out and you will begin to look around you and start to see, well, as this church, how are we helping other people here connect with Jesus? How are we helping other people here engage Christ? How can I be a part of that? And if you don't know, go find a, your pastor. Go find some of the leadership here and ask them, man, I need help. I want to do this, but I really don't know how to do it that well. That is a problem pastors love to solve, okay? But there's nothing more exciting. I look and I go, I, the later I'm getting, getting in life now, and I'm just, I'm only 41 years old. But I look and I go, I've seen a lot of my friends that are just in the top of their career brackets right now that are doing really amazing stuff, making lots of money, doing really well. And they, their education, every time I meet them, they've got a new degree and all these kinds of things. And I meet them, and I'm like, man, if I had to insert back into the United States, I'd be lost. Because <laughs> really, it comes down to it, there's only one thing I know. And as when I'm sitting down with somebody who has never heard of Jesus, and I have my Bible opened up, and I'm sharing with verses, a lot of them, the very same verses that I just shared with you today. And helping them understand who Jesus is and that the salvation we have in faith. I look in that moment and I go, this is what I was made for. I mean, I don't know what the center of God's will is, but I know when I'm doing that, I can't be that far off. I cannot be that far off from the center of God's will in that moment. To each of us, we need to find what is that way. What is that way that we are going to be involved in the Great Commission? How are we going to be involved in sharing our faith with others? So I wanted to take a moment and just pray for you guys. If you're one of those people who are seeing that, you know what, you need to take another step. You may not know what it is yet, but your feeling is stirring, and, but you're willing to commit to discovering what that stirring is. You may even know what you want to do. There, you may have some things, I, oh, I know I could do this, I know I could do this. But even if you don't, but you're willing to take the risk and start to pray about that and start to investigate that in your life and you, and you are willing to pursue what Jesus is asking you, you to do at a greater level than what you currently are, I ask you to stand to your feet. Please don't stand because others are standing. Stand because you're feeling the stirring. I just want to take a moment and pray for you. 
Because some of you guys are going to have little changes that you need to make that are simple. They're real easy. You could literally go home this afternoon and make that change. Some of you guys, they may be really big changes. But God is good. All right? God is good. He's not going to drag you into the the great unknown. He's going to provide. He's going to show you the way. He's going to make it happen. All right? And I know a lot of things have to align to make significant changes. But those things will happen. I mean, even to the point of, I've got four kids. People are like, oh, man, I've got four kids. I can't move overseas. I'm like, I did? I mean, I just moved from Africa to Asia with four kids from different continents. I shipped a container and everything. You can do it. There are ways to make these things happen. And not all of you are going to come work alongside me in Thailand. I hope some of you do. (laughs) But most of you guys are going to continue to make a difference here in this community, in this area, and at a greater scale and greater level than you ever have before. So let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray for everyone here, God, in this congregation, but especially for those that have stood and are looking to answer this call, the stirring in their hearts to serve you in mission, to serve you in a greater capacity than they ever have before. I pray that you give them boldness. God, give them peace. God, give them clarity. Clarity on what these next steps are and these next how-tos are. And I pray that you would begin to show them and stir up in them, God. Don't let them forget this. But God, let them work through it to pursue you at greater and higher levels than they've ever had before in your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right before um, I hand the mic off, I wanted to um, say with our organization, you can sit now. For organization, you can continue if you want to be involved within within Reach Global. Uh, we're talking about different ways that that can be a possibility as a church as a whole. But you as an individual, man, we need people who can pray, give financially. Um, if you're interested in short-term mission trips, we do that. If you're of college age or know some college age um, students, we have an internship program that lasts anywhere from three months to about a year um, overseas with us in Thailand. We're also looking for full-time missionaries. We're looking for churches that are willing to go, you know what? Why can't we adopt a people group? Why can't we, among ourselves, find a team, two, three, four families that are willing to go together, go through some training as a team, and work towards transitioning to another nation where it is unreached and serving you in mission? I would love to stay in touch with you guys. I left this card. My email and stuff is here on the back. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. It's all um, on there. Actually, the Instagram thing is not. But you can find me on those things. And uh, I'd love to be in touch with you. If you want to send me a note or chat about missions or any of those kinds of things, that, uh, sure, I love that stuff too. Also, you can follow our organization at withinreachglobal.org. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, you just scroll to the bottom of the page, click your name right on the get newsletter and you'll start getting it from there but i hope to see you more and um, i just pray that we'll continue to link arms as we serve christ both here and abroad amen all right thanks for having me brothers